Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And this is our 10th episode-versary. Wow. Extravaganza. I, I am so excited and so happy that we made it this far, and I hope that we go for many, many more. So congratulations to you, buddy. And congratulations to you, Alice. Uh, you know, this is the first episode that we're going to release that we've been able to record in the same place facing each other on the same microphone in the same room uh and for me this means a lot that finally i feel like the the true potential of the show is realized it feels really good both to be home in our hometown recording in the same room sharing some drinks and uh, enjoying each other's company. It's been a long time. Yeah. And and uh, one of the things that we uh, talked about for this show is that it's uh, this episode is going to be less academic. Right. It's going to be less thought out, less researched, less sterile. Right. Because it's our 10th anniversary and we're just happy to be back together. And... Um, Alice, 10th episode-versary. Episode-versary. We have been doing this for six months. <laughs> That's true. Our 10th episode-versary... <laughs> Uh, we want to kind of celebrate not just uh, this particular milestone, which might seem pretty small to others, but is a, a big deal for us. Mm. We want to celebrate our friendship and this podcast, but also uh, you, the listeners. We want to celebrate uh, those of you who have participated and have contributed, and uh, we just want to uh, raise a glass to you and um, and talk a little bit about uh, what we think makes a good theme park, a good ride, or a good attraction with input from you, the listeners. Yeah, that's very much the theme of, of today's episode, is that we're going to be uh, kind of doing some backseat imagineering. Exactly. We're going to pretend for a moment that, Alice, you and I are uh, theme park executives at a hypothetical theme park that has unlimited money. And um, unlimited access to lawyers and intellectual property. Um, imagine Disneyland, but uh, they're not concerned with preserving the Disney brand. <laughs> um, and uh, and they have extra land that we've that we've just discovered a portal somewhere, so to speak. Right. So this episode, we're going to pitch to each other an idea that we've uh, developed independently. I don't know what he's going to say to me. I don't know what I'm going to say to him. And then we're going to pitch each other this ride, can uh, bounce a couple of ideas out of e out of each other, kind of like what we wish we could see and, and maybe what hurdles stand in our way. Um, and then go to uh, our listener input, listen to those pitches and respond live in real time. None of us at this point, neither of us at this point have listened to the submissions that we've received. We know that we've got three to listen to. Um, we don't know what's coming. So uh, <laughs> you're going to hear our live in-person reactions. So we're having a good time tonight, just enjoying each other's company, listening to some pitches throwing some ideas back and forth. A little less academic, a little more fun. Yeah. Shall we get started? Yes, we shall. Um, so I, I suppose that before we begin, Alice, uh, if we're going to have this meeting, I should probably, um, I should step into your office. Oh, yes. Um, yes, go ahead. Uh, now that you're here in my home, we can actually step into the office. Give me just a moment. Right. Hold on. Uh, follow me, if oh, yeah. you will. Yeah, no, not at all. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Now we can talk. <laughs> now we can talk. Now we can talk appropriately as an aside in oh my, God. my real life office. <laughs> and, and now that we are here in this office, this unique office, uh, which I would describe as um, psychedelic in nature... It's uh, weird. That's really appropriate. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's a, very many colors. Um, <laughs> I'd like to pitch to you my idea for tonight's episode. Uh, and my, my idea is one that I've held for a very long time and uh, that I think might be the only idea of its kind that I've ever figured out uh, that would work as well as this idea does. Uh, because there's been a lot of talk lately, actually, at Universal Studios, for example, that they've acquired uh, the rights to Nintendo's intellectual properties. That they're going to be making a lot of Nintendo rides in a Nintendo land. And I've always thought that uh, making a video game ride is a great idea, but one probably that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, and the one video game that, uh, the one property that I've, I've bounced around in my head for years and years that I've always wanted to see a ride done of is Portal. I think, I think that the Portal series, Portal 1 and Portal 2, are ripe for theme park ride. Um, and honestly, all it would take is somebody with the resources acquiring it and choosing to make it the ride that it could be. So let me pitch you the story. Are you familiar with Portal? Thing? I am very familiar with but, Portal. So, I'm a huge fan. Portal Portal is one of my favorite games uh, because of its uh, its fun three dimensional thinking and the the puzzly nature of it all. But it's also kind of twitchy gameplay where you're kind of like aiming and shooting. It's not a puzzle. In the traditional sense, where you're kind of just like clicking pieces of a puzzle and putting it together, you're like living the puzzle. And that's what I would want to bring to a theme park ride. So, uh, in the story of Portal 2, we learn about the, um, the kind of head of Aperture Science. Uh, his name is Cave Johnson. He's voiced by um, J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons <laughs> aka J. Jonas Jameson. Um, <laughs> and so we would get J.K. Simmons, and we'd get him in the studio to record a bunch of new dialogue for Cave Johnson. And the plot of the ride is, the setup is, Aperture Science in its heyday, I think it's like the 1970s, uh, has invited people to kind of an open house to show people the uh, new transit system of the future. So think of it as the people mover um, in, in Disney's original vision of the people mover. So it's, uh, you know thing where it's like we're gonna have this in every city it's gonna change the world here's a prototype that you're gonna be able to ride today that's gonna be able to take you places and at speeds you'd never expect at a price that's so so low it's gonna it's gonna revolutionize uh, American urban life and that's like the the goal here right and you know cave kind of has that Walt Disney uh, kind of crazy man with a plan uh, like personality, so this is why I think Disney would probably never want to do this because you'd, it'd kind of have to lampoon itself. Because Cave is kind of that; um, he's kind of Steve Jobs meets Walt Disney uh, meets J.K. Simmons. So <laughs> uh, you know, so so you're walking through the line, and it's you know, there's film reels, and like you're the best of the best. You've been invited. I'm Cave Johnson, and uh, welcome to Aperture Science. But as you start to go along, you start to notice um, elements from the game. And one of the things you notice as you kind of step into the boarding area is that Glados is the uh, kind of overseer of this boarding area, and it's explained to you through through pre-show 
that she's a very highly sophisticated computer system that uh, is monitoring all of this testing, is going to help them develop this system. And she's, you know, making quips the whole time and, and putting people down, and it's very, very cool. So you step in, and I kind of imagine like a Space Mountain type car. Um, it couldn't be much bigger than that. And Cave comes in over the radio and he's like, oh, also we're going to hook up one of our cutting-edge personality cores. And this is where the ride gets variation. Because uh, you can get any of the personality cores plugged into your car. So it could be the adventure core. And it could be like, all right, we're going on an adventure. Like, here we go. It could be the space core, right? Like, uh, will this ever go to space? Will this ever go to space? Space, 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 space. right? Uh, it could be like the rage core. It could be like, let's rave, we're angry, right? Or it could be, uh, there's all sorts of different cores, right? Or you could get Wheatley, which I think would be really, really cool. Wheatley's so like, my favorite. Wheatley gets plugged into your car. He's like, oh, hello, let's go for an adventure. Right, and you know, clackety 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 clack, up you go. And what it becomes is an enclosed roller coaster ride where you are constantly almost running into walls. And those walls, or what looks like walls, right? What look like walls, and those walls uh, appear to be walls until they get hit with a portal gun that's mounted on the front of the car. So the car is uh, completely in control. So it's not like you're aiming the portals and stuff like that. But what you can see as you enter perhaps like the main ride area, I'm imagining like a huge white cube with tracks running all over it. What you can see is other cars portaling in and out of the big white cube because in reality it's like four cubes next to each other and the track weaves in between them so you're seeing cars like weave in and out and portal in and out of the same room that you're in later people will see you portaling in and out and as the ride kind of starts to take off and pick up speed you almost hit the ground but then a portal appears and you keep going through and you're at the the top of the next cube Yeah, you're at the top of the next cube, so you keep dropping, and then another portal opens up, and then you turn, and it keeps, like, uh, changing, and you're never quite sure what to expect. So imagine Space Mountain plus a completely white, bright, sterile environment. But with the blue and orange Just flashes over and over again as you're jumping between things. And whatever personality core is hooked up to your, your car is uh, commenting the whole time and, like, yelling things and... Um, you know, kind of in control of the portal gun, so to speak. So they're maybe making mistakes and almost getting you killed and stuff like that. And the ride keeps going. It gets more and more intense until eventually it goes, and you right back into the last room. And there's GLaDOS. And she's like, you provided me lots of data for this test. Good for you. You you exist. And then, uh, you know, the ride opens and you get out and Cape Johnson's like, good job. Come back another day and we'll, uh, we're, we're still working on it. And don't breathe the moon dust or something like that. And that would just be like killer. That would be so cool. I imagine it as, as this completely immersive experience. Years ago, I saw somebody who had built a Wheatley puppet. Um, that they were operating by hand, and it looked and sounded so good in real life. It was this, you know, blue LEDs around the sphere and the little eye, and it was so expressive, and they had synced it up to some of Wheatley's dialogue, and I'm like, that should be an audio animatronic. Like, there's no way it shouldn't be. And GLaDOS is perfect for audio animatronic, and Cave Johnson coming in over speakers is a perfect aesthetic to, like, recreate in a ride. 
And I think th- this whole thing is is so ready, and somebody just needs to grab this idea. <laughs> Please hire me. Oh my gosh, you're honestly that description you just gave makes me feel so unprepared for this episode you're you crushed it just now like i feel like you must have felt when i suggested about captain rex like being a member of the rebel alliance like my mind is so blown right now i'm not even ready to record the rest of this episode (laughs) that was so good thank you holy crap thank you I see it so vividly. Mm-hmm. This the white space with the blue and the orange in and out portals and seeing other cars entering and exiting through blue and orange portals and and hearing I I love Wheatley and I love it's Stephen Merchant, right? Mm-hmm. Does the voice. I love that voice so much. I can hear it so clearly mm-hmm. that all I want now is to ride that ride. That just, sounds so fun. You just want to go for a crazy ride with Wheatley. It's just a super tight, so like Space Mountain, something's so fun about Space Mountain. And and now that I've, I've ridden actually Space Mountain California and Space Mountain Orlando, and they're a little different. Hmm. But Space Mountain California is so tight. It's in this incredibly small square footage hmm. where the uh, the turns are all right turns. Right, 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 hmm. right, 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 until suddenly you turn left and that's the end. Hmm. You can turn a portal ride into this itty bitty tiny tiny space Mm. all you need to do is do space mountain but with bright lights Mm. and what looks you don't even need to make real walls that you're going through just what looks like walls that you're going through as long as it appears that way i'm kind of imagining the uh the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the cartoon spin, yes, the portable hole the effect. The portable hole effect, yeah. which is is honestly just a, a, a door in the wall that, that you're that you're aimed at. The right but way. it's got the right angle and the right like like a uh, like black light effect mm. where it looks like he's pushing the wall into or pushing the hole into the wall. Mm. It is so vivid. Mm. And I'm so in love with it. That would be the best roller coaster ever. I'm I don't even know what I can contribute to that. That would be amazing. I would die to ride that ride. I love the Portal games. They're so much fun. Yeah. I'm not a huge gamer. I know you are. I know my fiance is. Mm. Love, love, love video games. Mm. But to me, Portal and Portal 2 were the best video games I've ever played in my life. Because mm. they were not just a video game, a point-and-shoot video game, but a puzzle game and a and a something to, to interact with. Mm. It was the the best of everything I could imagine in a video game, and to turn it into a ride, mm. I would lose my mind. And the 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 other thing that I maybe neglected is that uh, because portals, portals aesthetic, portals fandom is so focused on kind of these little in jokes and secrets like that the, you can find. The cake is a lie. Like the cake is a lie, but also like um, you know the Ratman, um, yeah. and and all of those little stories, or the story of that one defective. Uh, turret that's you know that's like I'm different and and the the two the two guys who are in the um the robots who are in the co-op campaign oh yeah the tall one and the and, and the short yeah, one yeah and, like oh, you can include be... those as little extras off in the corner that people could see if they turn their head the right way they'd be so easy people would go nuts for it so too. easy to include in a story like that and and so you can get a fast-paced roller coaster ride with a like really cool intense dark ride experience mm-hmm. of these these known characters that you that you want to know and interact with 
I do not want to play this game with you anymore. You absolutely crushed it. Thank you. And if, if it makes you feel any better, that is my one perfect idea. That, like, I have no others that are that good. <laughs> and it's been in my head for maybe too many years. That's the one thing that I imagine might be a big deal. Is that Portal's over. I mean, like, Portal's not over, over. I imagine that eventually we'll get a Portal 3. Maybe. Maybe. Valve never makes a third game in a series. But... <laughs> oh, Half-Life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I imagine that Portal was so successful that there's no way they couldn't, right? That Portal was this this cross, uh, cross-generational, cross-interest success. Maybe we could get another Portal game. It feels to me like Portal 2 is now, gosh... Eight years old. I don't know what year that... I played it so late. I feel like that XKCD comic where I'm like, I played Portal 1 like three years ago. Wow. <laughs> but you enjoyed it. I loved it. I it's a who, timeless game. Yeah, people who pick up Portal and Portal 2 now are still going to find it to be really interesting. And the world is appealing enough to where I think it's... Timeless might be too strong, but very enduring. Um, so I would, I would really appreciate a portal ride, um, as long as it had that attention to detail. Right. It can't just be a, and, and, and I just pictured like the beginning where if you go through a portal, the only ride I can think of right now that has you going through portals at the beginning or giving you an, a quote unquote option at the beginning would be like. Disneyland's Indiana Jones, for example, where you get three options and you go through one of them. Right. And and if it did that, if it just was like, here's your one portal, oh, here's ride a portal time, to the moon. That would be not cool. That would be really boring. Right. And, and the other thing that I, I could see going wrong is that somewhere along the line, somebody would say, why not just a simulator? Oh no! But mm. right, the, so much about it is is, is the physical experience for of me going it, imagining the this ride. And here's the other the other thing, something that I really loved about the animation in the Portal games. As as somebody who's not a gamer, what I really got a kick out of was if I accidentally threw a portal in a wrong place, I could see myself through the portal, mm. and that'd be really easy to do if everyone is in a in a roller coaster car that looked the same. Mm. It'd be really easy to kind of look like you were going through the same portal over and over again if it was just the car in front of you oh, kind of thing. Oh my gosh. You're like, oh no, we're accidentally in a loop. We're going through the same car over and over again. But it was the car right in front of you that or, you were following. Or heck, uh, open a portal looking back at yourself, at yourself. That's, like a, that's like a screen or a mirror. And even. then you can wave at it, yeah. but it looks like you're just kind of accidentally going through the same portal. Almost like a... Um, like in uh, the sec oh the second third Matrix movie when you're accidentally going through the train station portal over oh, and over, over and over, and over, over again. again. I'm I'm kind of imagining the stop scene um, in Tower of Terror. Well, wave uh, goodbye to yes. the world you know. Yes, and you appear right there, right? And like, there's you. How hard would it be to do that with a portal? Like, uh, here's how portals work. Pew, pew. Oh, look, there's look, you there's from you behind. On the other side of the portal, but <laughs> it's behind. It's backwards, and yeah. it's just a camera showing your back view yeah. it'd be so easy and it would to blow do. people's minds too because you're and and that would explain how portals work for those who have never written mm. or who had never played portal. You, could, you could even have it set up as kind of like a uh glados gone haywire kind of a thing and you're um we all know she's ready to go haywire at any moment right exactly so like cave could be like here's my presentation and your your little core could be like oh this is going well and then gladys could be like begin test 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 because she loves to test uh and then like things could start to get intense then right and that would be like a things gone wrong kind of a plot it's kind of like 
the and now I'm picturing that part of it as the very very beginning of the mummy roller coaster mm-hmm. in Universal Studios, mm-hmm. where it's you're in your roller coaster car, but you're like cruising along mm-hmm. like a dark ride yeah. in the very beginning of it until you launch off, right? And that's where Gladys is testing you, or where you're hearing caves like narration mm-hmm. or whatever, and then suddenly, oh no, oh no, blast oh, off, no, and, something then, has gone wrong. and then you hit full speed, right? And then you go. Through, through a portal, your, through a, bunch portals. a bunch of times. <laughs> blue, blue, orange, blue, orange, blue, orange, blue, orange. And then, and then you see other cars. And oh my God, you can get so many cars in, if you're, if you plan it right, mm-hmm. if you do it at the right, like timing and the right speed, mm-hmm. you can get, so it would be kind of almost like an Omni mover where you get like so many cars going at once. I watched a video uh, not too long ago about uh, Space Mountain and how they keep Space Mountain, which should be a relatively low capacity ride at the capacity that even it's a ba- it's able to uh, accomplish. And it's because there's a bunch of cars on the track but at any because time. Because in California, the Space Mountain, like I said, it goes... Uh, you know, right, 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 right turn, right turn, right turn, right turn, right turn. It 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 has so much track in such small space mm. because they've it's like a DNA helix mm. almost where you've compressed so many turns mm. into such small space. You get right turn, right turn, right turn, right turn. You can have like fifteen cars going at once. So what looks like the longest line ever is actually a super short line mm-hmm. because you can just keep going putting people on i wish almost wish this was a, a video because i could <laughs> demonstrate with my hands you're getting I'm very animated i'm getting very animated i think, right I think our listening audience might understand you you were you were visual enough with your language i hope so i'm, I'm now turning my hands like a double like helix a, you know a double helix how it compresses so much into such a small space mm-hmm. And and with a portal gun, you have a, a visual excuse for that kind of structural framework. Yeah, you, it doesn't matter if you're showing other people because that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, so we don't need to hide that from anybody to make them feel like they're special having an, a special experience. You're right. In Space Mountain, it's so dark mm-hmm. and you don't see any other cars while you're going. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. Like, it's your journey through space mm-hmm. in a dark ride. Theoretically, you don't see any of the cars. Right, everybody. Next to everybody you. should be around a corner or in the next scene already. Um, but in this, it, it, it doesn't really matter. You, in fact, want to see the others, especially if you're trying to trick the viewer, the audience, into thinking the other cars are your car is going through a portal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ugh, that's so good. I don't even want to play anymore. <laughs> no, let's keep playing. I no, want to hear your idea. you broke me. No. <laughs> no, you did. I'm sure that your idea is also great. You have so much more detail to your idea than I do. So for me pitching an idea to you, mm-hmm. what I was hoping for... Mm-hmm. So you pitch an idea to me full of ideas, and I think you wanted me to shut you down, but I don't want <laughs> okay, to. Okay. So for me pitching an idea to you, what I want to do is give you an IP mm. that I think deserves a ride, that deserves a chance, mm. give you a couple ideas of existing rides that I think could influence this idea, mm. and I want you to expand on it. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. What I want you to do is to help me... Pitch a ride based on the Mad Max series. Now he now specifically Mad Max Fury Road. You want a Mad Max Fury Road ride? I want yes, specifically okay. Mad Max Fury Road because okay. that's my very favorite. It's maybe my third favorite movie ever made. <laughs> 
Um, it's a very, very good movie. It's such a good movie. Now, here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a couple ideas, okay. and I want you to help me. Okay. I think that Mad Max Fury Road deserves a ride. Mm-hmm. I think that it deserves a framework that is roller coaster heavy. Like, a, like obviously, it deserves a fast-paced roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. I think it deserves a really intense visual element because so much that's important about that movie is visuals. Um, And I'd like for it to be immersive, like as as immersive as possible. I want the person riding the ride to feel like they belong in the space. So it's not a, not just a roller coaster where the, car that you're in kind of looks spiky and rusty and post-apocalyptic, but I want you to try to help me develop the idea of a Mad Max ride. Now, this next part might sound kind of stupid at first, but let me get there. I think that it might need to be structured a little bit like um, Radiator Springs Racers. Now, hold on. (laughs) Um, That doesn't sound as crazy as you thought it would. It sounds wacky because it's a Cars Land ride for small children. Yeah, for babies. For babies. But the way that it's structured is it's a kind of a dark ride. It's It's a dark ride, but with a little speed and a little turn, like kind of a quick turn action to it. And then you go into a high-speed race with another car, with with somebody else's car racing against you. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I'm going to reference, something that that our listeners might understand, but you've never been to Disney World. No. But I recently was at Disney World, and I was in Epcot, and I rode the ride called Test Track. Right, I I know of Test Track. You know of Test Track. Yes. So Test Track is very similar to Radiator Springs Racers in that it starts indoors and you kind of do a, you know, quick turns and fast paced kind of little things indoors. And then all of a sudden you're lined up outside and you hit high speeds, taking your, your turns around big corners and it becomes like a almost like a roller coaster like a very very high speed ride and then it's over and you're done and but part of what made test track so cool when we were riding it was while you're in the line you got to build your car did you know about did you know about this part yes that you like make choices that affect yeah. how your ride so goes so while you're in line and the line is always very long you get a chance to sit in front of a computer for a couple of minutes and you get to choose if your car is more power based more uh, economy like um, like a, like fuel my, efficient. fuel efficient that's yeah. thank you more fuel efficient more stylish more uh, like has good brakes like you get to kind of give it stats and then you tap your magic band and to the front so it knows like the car that you built and when you get in it you kind of get placed in first second third fourth place depending on who's on the ride um on how good you did a you did a good job building your car Mm -hmm. and so that gave me riding test track gave me the idea that it could be kind of a 
theme it strong, more strongly. Because Test Track is themed very, it's very corporate. It's, it's very like, this is a such and such car company and we want to help you build a fuel efficient car for the future. It's very like, it's very capitalist and very corporate. Sure. And I think that if you gave it a new theme and you changed changed it and made it like Mad Max like you are in your post-apocalyptic world and you get a chance to build your car what do you value most the ability to get away from enemies faster to destroy other enemy cars faster to um hide refugees better like I don't I don't know you just have like a series of things that and you get to choose which one of those is more important and you do the test track or you do your radiator springs racer through your dark ride segment and then you get that super hardcore high speed race, but you're in like some gnarly Mad Max style race. It could be a little dirtier and a little faster, maybe take take you know more intense turns. I imagine there would be flames too. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> flames are mega important. Mm. Um, but yeah, I imagine some combination of rides like that in a in a post-apocalyptic world. So it's, it's like more intense, but also still like still accessible to people who maybe don't know it as well. Don't know much about the lore of Mad Max. Right. Maybe, so, maybe it gives you time to kind of gel. Yeah. While you're in the right, in the line, it kind of gives you a little background, like, Hey, this is the world we're living in now. And this is the kind of car you've got to build to, if you've, you know, if you've got to make it, maybe you, maybe it does keep some of that fuel efficiency stuff because, like, this evil, the you know the uh, the the you gas an the gas empire is controlling all the gas, and so maybe you want to to have make a car that doesn't need as much gas, and or yeah. maybe you want to make a car that can um, stealthily make it into a place where you can steal gas. Like I don't know. Like, I just, I remember Mad Max Fury Road was the first Mad Max movie I ever saw. Mm. And I remember thinking it was so well established, this big deal lore that deserved more fleshing out. Mm. And I, I just, I want to see more from that world and from this, like, this is a world where they've invented their own gods and stuff. And, and, and part of it, too... And my trip to my most my recent trip to Disney World influenced so much of this. Mm. Um, you can go back and listen to the episode where I talk about it. That's Minnesota Three, Alice in Disney World. Um, I also uh, I went to Animal Kingdom and I rode um, the uh, Flight of Passage, mm. the Avatar ride, and the wait time for that was impossibly long. But it also included a lot of visual storytelling in the in the line about the world the es establishing the world so if i had never even seen avatar i would still understand like why i was going into this and i think that oh, uh, such a well established universe like mamax could um could lend itself really well to something like that and and give me a, a space to 
explore it and be creative. That's why I liked Test Track so much was this creative space. But what I liked Flight of Passage so much was how immersive it was. Mm -hmm. And even the line, the like, even walking up to the line, you weren't even in the line and you were still in this world of Pandora Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And and Disneyland, Disney World inspired so much more of this imagineering in me than I ever thought I could have. I'm so glad I went. Um, I I don't know. What do you think? I think you've hit on a couple of really amazing ideas. I want to tell you that I love it and I would ride the ride that you you described. But I also, along the way, was starting to kind of germinate... A uh, maybe a different format for this ride. Okay. Because I I love Radiator Springs Racers. I think it's a triumph. I, I think it's really it's good. It's so good. Um, but something that has always kind of bugged me about it and uh, other kind of um, like I, I don't know how to, how to explain it. The the ride system has its own name. The the car kind of on top of a car, if that makes sense. The yeah. the car that can kind of actuate itself and like move and stuff. Um. Just like on um, the Indiana Jones Adventure. It's a car yes. and a car. You know what I mean? Yes, um, I do. Uh, for those of you who are uh, Florida-based, uh, that would be the dinosaur ride. Right. Uh, and and some and Radiator Springs Racers is also like that. It's doing those effects of like the rumbling engine and stuff um, through like little gyros and servos inside the car on type, top of the car. Yeah, uh, so you're to assume the car you got into is the type of car that you are, that, that you're supposed to be in. It's, right. Yeah, it's an extra effect on top of the effect. Yeah, and something that's always bugged me about that kind of car is that it's, like, uh, big and bulky and weird and uh, either has too low of a seating capacity for what we want, um, thus leading to these incredible wait times, especially on Indiana Jones and Radiator Springs Racers. Yeah. The, the wait times are incredible. Or, um... Uh, a fun, uh, just quick tip. Uh, single rider. Single rider on for both of those all rides. all of them. Um, for Test Track 2, oh my god, it's the same thing. It's 3x3, three three, just nice. like Radiator Springs. Nice. It's the same thing. Do single rider. That's way too long to wait. Um, yes. and I was thinking about, like, what what are the what are the themes of Mad Max and what are what are sort of the aesthetics, um, and I imagine um, steel and rust and dirt and gas and flames, and I think there's a lot to be said about a dark ride for kind of conveying that. It's weird that you'd want to do a dark ride so that you could have a bright hot desert all the time. Yeah, but it also makes sense. Um, but then I was starting to think, like, well, we could also go outside with it. And then what would that look like? And then I started thinking, like, what if it was kind of a more traditional roller coaster? I'm going to pitch this to you. It's Mad Max on the Incredicoaster slash uh, California Screamin' meets Pirates of the Caribbean. What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is... Um, so much of what I love about Fury Road is that um, people have completely changed. They're they're uniquely shaped. They're uniquely uh, they're either like way way pale or they're uh, covered in paint or stuff. So they're, they're like also like all sorts of different looks, um, and they've got kind of this this you know um, grease punk aesthetic all over everything. They've got their own vocabulary and dialogue. And like you said, they've invented gods. uh, And they've got ways of talking. 
Um, and if you've ever, if you ever get the chance, you should play a little bit of the Mad Max video game. Oh, my brother loves that game. It's, uh, you meet a character who's like just speaking in Mad Max speak and you got to figure that out because <laughs> Max never talks like that. He's like, I'm a normal Australian guy. Uh, but everybody else around him is like, the long, long ago, praise the, the, the machine gods. Oh, Valhalla. Right. And, and they're, they're adding all this other crazy like vocab. And to me, that says you gotta have a lot of animatronics. Like you gotta okay. have, you gotta have like a bunch of animatronics, and you've gotta have those animatronics be jumping around all on every side of the car that your people are in, and you gotta have them going crazy. And here's my pitch: it's a different tribe or civilization or, or city-state or whatever you want to call it in the same post-apocalyptic wasteland, and they've built a roller coaster. And it's incredibly dangerous. <laughs> uh, it's this big, rusty hunk of metal out in the desert, the Australian wasteland desert that's also irradiated. Um, and you're next. And you're like, forced to be next. Right, like, so when you sit down, it's like, kachonk, kachonk, strapped in, because there's going to be uh, a crazy, uh, like, laughing, faceless guy with, like, a torch who's going to, like, light the fuse that's going to send the roller coaster, like, rocketing off into the, like, loop-de-loops and craziness. But, like, first you're going to, like, dark ride through it. So it's, like, being pulled into one room. And the, all the animatronics are like, whoa. War coaster, war coaster. It's called the war coaster. War coaster. War coaster, perfect. war coaster. And you're like, no, please stop. And then their leader comes out and he's like, my children, now the war coaster will roll again. <laughs> and they, they like attack, they attach like a cable to the front of it. And then the guy's like, hee 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 Because he's like the sidekick. And he's got like a mohawk or something. And he's like, I'll bring the fire for the boom boom boss. And then you like, you know, walk into the back of the war coaster. And the war coaster, of course, yes, is covered in spikes. Naturally. Natch. Um, because they want to weaponize roller coasters and they don't Somehow. understand why that's a dumb idea. Um, and so you're like, oh no, no, like crazy grease punk uh, religion ceremony where now we're the sacrifice on this war coaster and then he lights the fuse but you survive the war coaster right and, and meanwhile Max is also there and he's like hang on tight we're gonna get you through this Come I'm in- Mad Max Indiana Jones yeah like- yeah and <laughs> so so he's like uh, all you have to do is make it to the third turn and I'm gonna like uh, hit a switch and we're gonna get you to the to the level platform ahead. And that's my favorite um, uh, theme park trope, by the way. We're gonna evacuate you to the level platform ahead. Everything's gonna it's be fine. Very Jurassic Park. <laughs> very Jurassic Park. I'm gonna get you on that level platform. We're gonna get you out of here, right? And says Max. And you're like, okay, Max, please rescue me. So, off it goes. And there are animatronic guys hanging off of the war coasters track who are like yelling and cheering the whole time and like spitting oil on you <laughs> and um, brandishing shivs, I, I, I believe. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 this is so scary. And you see a part where the war coaster is like clearly broken. Okay. Yeah. But then, but then there's Max. He hits the switch. Ka-chunk. And the war coaster veers off to the side, but yes. what you don't know is that's an even bigger, scarier part of the no. war coaster. Hit another loop, and then 
you hear Max's voice over the speakers, and he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and then there's Furiosa, and she's like, I have a metal arm, and she stops the coast. Now that doesn't make sense. Um, or, you know, something crazy could happen. Like, yeah. oh, maybe the, the war rig could, like, hook onto okay. it Wait. and then tow you off. Wait, I got a thing. Mm. Okay, so that thing that you described where you're like, see a point that's like obviously broken. Mm. They do that in um, the Everest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Everest thing, they like ride up to, oh no, it's broken. Mm. Then you go backwards. That would be pretty Away sweet. from it. And then you see your villain like, up, oh man, I'm just combining every single ride like in one ride. It's, it's honestly, the, the problem with this concept is that it's too much. It's too much, and and you need about a, a hundred animatronics to make it convincing at all. Yeah, and they need to be like really articulated in ways that animatronics mostly aren't. Or <laughs> or maybe it's just simplified, kind of like when now when you were like doing the dark ride thing before, like like the mummy ride mm. at Universal. Mm. You ride your it through your itty bitty little dark ride. Spot, mm. And there's only a couple animatronics and one screen in mm. there to get the point across, right? Mm. And uh, join us in eternal death mm. mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. And then the mummies drop down. And then the mummies drop down and you go. Right. You so don't need like, like oh, hello, my children, war coaster is about to blah, blah, blah. And you, yeah. you just like kind of hear the chanting. You don't need like a bunch of animatronics. Yeah, it could Universal be done fairly could pull simple. This off. Universal could totally pull this off. They could pull They're this already off. trying to pull Fast and Furious stuff off. Yeah. And the Fast and Furious franchise, I feel like, is very related mm. to your <laughs> Mad Max franchise mm. in that it's very diesel heavy very mm. diesel punk kind of <laughs> Vin diesel heavy Vin more diesel, like hey no better no hey <laughs> all right um, you know that's funny uh have you have you checked out any of the on-ride footage of the fast and the furious ride in I orlando i have not uh, it's a it's a specialized van it's like, it's, I think they call it the party bus. Is it supposed to be like the tram? It's it's just like the tram attraction in, okay. in Hollywood. Okay, so when we ride Universal Hollywood and it brings you through that uh, 360, 3D, mm-hmm. Fast and Furious mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. isn't that the new ride at Universal Orlando? It's a lot it's like that. just that? It's almost exactly that. Okay. So you've, you've been on it then in that case. Essentially. Um... That's my biggest fear with Mad Max trying to become a ride. Somebody along the line is going to be like, um, we could we could do this pretty convincingly with a 360-degree screen. And I could see where you might even be have your heart in the right place with a concept like that. Like, um, because then you could do that amazing chase scene from the movie. The audience is sitting in the war rig. And the war boys are all around. They even pop up in yeah. your window. Yeah, and on they're like trying side. to jump over it. And then the car with the with the um like the pole thing, you know what I'm the talking about? The pole cats. Yeah, the pole yeah. cats. And they're like, kind of kind of flopping over it. And it, that would look really cool in 360 3D. Exactly one time. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it has no re-ride value. Right. Um, so what what I was trying to kind of buck the trend with the war coaster is like, you want it to be immersive. You want there to be a reason for there to be a thrill ride in Mad Max. Um, so I was trying to invent like new mythos, right? Like, why not? You know, we were kind of talking about um, Prim Nevada earlier yeah. and how there's this uh, kind of symbolic big roller coaster thing and how it even exists in the post-apocalyptic wasteland in Fallout New Vegas, 
um, how there's this roller coaster out in Prim. Uh, and that's kind of what I was envisioning, like this busted yeah. old Australian roller coaster that people are trying to weaponize. <laughs> For some reason. For some reason. No, you're absolutely right. There would, If it was just a screen ride, just a simulator, that would be fine. It would be fine. It would be okay once. And, like, I'll still, every time I'm at Universal Hollywood, I'll ride the tram ride. And it goes through your King Kong, and it goes through your Fast and Furious. And you go, all right, this is fun. Like, this is fine. This isn't why I wrote it, but, no. like, this is this is fine. If it was just a Mad Max simulator, I don't know if I'd ride it all the time, every time I was there. Mm. Not like Harry Potter. Not like... Um, Forbidden Journey. Forbidden... Sorry. God. No. Not like Forbidden Journey, which I is a screen technically a screen ride that I would ride over and over and over again right. because it's got that physical element to right. it. It's not just your screens. And I think I think what would be kind of boring about and and not to not to crap on the the test track idea, which also would work. But I think what's kind of boring about it is that uh, your car can only move so extremely, right? True. It can only do so much, uh, and doing a convincing car chase on a limited track. Um, in a way that you want, that I can tell you want, because you want like <laughs> this cool, badass Mad Max car chase right. with lots of explosions and fire and uh, visible engine parts. <laughs> um, I, to do that on a test track or a Radiator Springs style track, I think isn't going to give you that thrill. You're not going to get that aesthetic. It's not going to be truly immersive. But could you combine them? Could you have a roller coaster like? Everyone's strapped in with your shoulder harnesses and everything ready to do loops and stuff. Mm. But you've tapped your magic band before you walk in mm. and you get your design score at the end, like like Test Track does. Like mm. you get a score at the end that, that says how well that your car did kind of thing. Like if you had a chance in your line to design a Mad Max roller coaster, maybe take some mechanics from the video game. Hmm. And it's like, you've designed this car and you've given it this much power and you've given it this much speed and you've given it this much. And then you kind of do a little dark ride and you're like, oh, well, we're going in this new dangerous territory. Oh no, there's this warlord wants us to ride his wants us to take our cars on his super dangerous track. Um, mm. let's test how your car does. Yeah. And you ride a roller coaster then at that point. Then at that point, boom, it's a roller coaster mm. with loops and fun, mm. like really, really fun, high-tech stuff. And at the end, you tap your magic band and it tells you how well your design did. Like, did was your design the best at power? Was your design, like, in which place you... Because you, Test Track, like, there's six of you... It on the ride and it gives you a place one through six like how well your car did compared to compared to everyone else in your, your car. neighbors did. oh that's interesting yeah so when you ride test track i rode it single rider mm-hmm. so it was me and five strangers mm-hmm. um and they were a family of five together mm-hmm. it was three kids and 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 two parents mm-hmm. and they uh, and it gave us all our score based on how well you designed your car, mm. how with the specific things that you chose, and you got to choose what your car looked like, 
But you all rode together and it tested you on like, oh, how well does it do in rain? How well does it do on turns? How well does it do on fuel economy? And then the last one is how well does it do on speed? And then you hit your 60 mile an hour, like roller coaster type track. Mm. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm imagining the test track vibe to Mm. be like a, um, you've designed your car. How well it does it do against uh, gunfire. How well does it do against <laughs> No, armor, armor would be a, like, bit, yeah, a armor big consideration. Be a and also, one. like, can it hold enough fuel to get across the wasteland? Right. Um, so you, does it have any weapons on its so own? So when, you, when you're in line, you get a chance to sit in front of, like, an iPad, mm. and you get to pick which of your stats you like best, and, mm. and then you get to pick which color you want your car to mm. be in. And then you beep your magic band before you walk on to the car Hmm. and so it records who had what Hmm. and against who and it gives you a ranking and at the end you can be the losing car and this is something we talked about on our game state episode Hmm. was like when you ride test track your car could be in sixth place like you could be the last place car and i think mine i think mine was in like fifth place at I didn't score. I did not spend a lot of time because I was in single rider. Mm. I didn't spend a lot of time on the little iPad thing Mm. to design my car because there was almost no line for me to wait and I didn't want to waste any more time. So I just kind of hit a couple random buttons and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a purple one. Go. Um, I didn't really design it very well or at all. And I got like fifth place. Mm. And I deserved it because I didn't spend the time. But like, if you're in the line, if you're in the line and you're really designing and you're doing a good job, like you do better on the ride. There is a lost state kind of on that ride. Like yeah. you still get a chance to ride a cool roller coaster. And the ride is the same also, regardless, right? Yeah, it's the same ride. Um, because you go super super fast, but then it's like your you, the car you're in goes really fast, and then it tells you which of the six of you had designed the faster car. Um, so you do get a lost state and you do get like a ranking and you do get a chance with them to do it again and to do better next time against your, against your friends. Uh, I see, I see this working as kind of a Mad Max, um, uh, rally, like a, like a death race 2000 sort of situation. Okay. So it's like, uh, you know. I'm Mad Max, and I've been drafted in... Uh, this is my Australian accent. I really it's not love it. Better. No, I love it so much. I'm Mad Max, and I'm I'm in a death race to the to the death. <laughs> you gotta help me build my police interceptor so that it wins the death race, and yeah. I can have my family back. And you're like, yeah, Max, I'll help you out. And then, like, that's the story. I could see that working out yeah. pretty well. Yeah, so so we'd be yeah, it would just be test track but reskinned. Is test what track, I'm test track, but it's Mad Max. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, listeners, if you thought War Coaster would be more fun than Test Track, uh, at Buddy Decay, <laughs> <laughs> and if you thought Test Track is better than War Coaster, at Alice White, <laughs> THP. <laughs> All right, uh, Alice, we have we have pitched our rides, and I think that they are both wonderful. They sound really fun, uh, and I think now is the time for us to uh, take a quick break and listen to our first audio recording of the night. Uh, Some of our very dear uh, compatriots, I would say, uh, allies in the podcasting realm, sent us three amazing ideas. Uh, And I think we should start probably with 
uh, the wonderful Charles Gustine of the Iconography podcast. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, Charles has guested on this show before, um, way back in episode, way back in episode six. Wow. It was on Still. the California, uh, no, on the Tower of Terror episode. Okay, yeah. That way was back in episode six. Um, and uh, he gave us great material to work off of. And we're going to go now and listen to his recording, which I will drop in here and roll that clip. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. As a reminder, listeners, Buddy and I have not listened to this We've yet. We've not listened to this so at this all So this is yet. all raw. <laughs> um, Alice, why don't you tell me to go ahead and roll that clip? You know what, Buddy? Let's roll that clip. Hi, Alice and Buddy. This is Charles Gustine of the podcast Iconography. Thanks for putting together this fun prompt. I love a challenge. So I'm going to throw three quick ideas your way. Each one is a little bit more elaborate than the previous. Um, the first one is actually a bit obvious. I'm probably not dreaming up anything here that isn't already plastered all over the walls at Imagineering HQ, which is that the Three Caballeros ride in Epcot, Mexico, formerly El Rio del Tiempo, uh, I think it's found a much more natural fit for a movie tie-in, which is that it should be a Kilco ride. Um, and I do think that unlike tossing the sort of beloved Maelstrom for Frozen in Norway, this is a change that wouldn't get uh, much Diz Twitter opposition. So my second one, and I can't believe this is true, but I did the math, and it is, uh, if Disney started planning a Lilo and Stitch ride now, it would probably be ready in time for the film's 20th anniversary in 2022. Uh, and they should absolutely do this because Lilo and Stitch is a masterpiece, and I think there is an untapped well of love and nostalgia that might just burst now. Wait a minute, you're saying there already is a Lilo and Stitch ride in Tomorrowland? No, there's a Stitch ride, and it's bad. Uh, it is a remnant of a time when Disney thought that Stitch, I think, would be their first evergreen character since Pooh, and he was in all the marketing for all the parks, but it was the wrong Stitch, you know? Instead of that subtle, first he's sour, then he's sweet creature from the film, this is the Stitch that's, like, all sour before his transformation. So I'm lobbying for a Hawaiian roller coaster ride. It's right there in the film. They set that up perfectly, and I want it to be in Adventureland, and that's going to solve three problems at once. One, it's going to be a way to access that lovely relationship between Lilo and Stitch and swaddle us in Ohana. Two, it's another coaster, and we need those. And three, I think it's going to put a big dent in Adventureland's colonialism problem. I think Adventureland badly needs uh, an experience from the perspective of the people who represent these tropical locales. Now, the third one is one I'm actually going to kick over to you two. I've always thought that as long as there's this Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween thing, Epcot should also have a Halloween overlay, and it should absolutely be based on the DCOM Halloween Town. So, like, the launch area at the World Showcase would have the big pumpkin at the center of it, and it should be dressed up as Halloween Town, and there should be cast members dressed as Marnie and Aggie telling you that it's that one night a year when all the monsters can go home, and you should go see them in their countries, and each country would be the home of one main monster. So my challenge to you two is, um, what would you want guests to experience in each World Showcase country, and would you go for scares or not? I think Epcot does tend to be more adult and more alcohol-soaked than Magic Kingdom, as Alice may now know, um, so I'm eager to hear you guys' thoughts. Thanks. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for that submission. I am so excited to talk about this. You gave us three absolutely incredible ideas to talk about. And at the risk of going way too long in this episode, we're just going to fire through them really, really quickly. So uh, the first one that you mentioned was a Coco ride where the three Caballeros ride currently is. Right. In so as you know, by listening to this episode, I'm the only one of us who's been to Disney World proper and the only one of us who's been to Epcot. So, and I did ride the three Caballeros. I didn't ride Frozen, but I did ride three Caballeros uh, because there was exactly no line because no one rides that ride. I gotta say, I love the three Caballeros. It's so precious. Right. And it's, it, it is a really cute property. Uh, and the ride is adorable. But it, along with the rest of the Mexico, um, like, part of Epcot, could 100% be themed to Coco. They already have thrown a lot of Coco stuff into the Mexico area. They sell a lot of Coco merch. And the entrance, when you walk into the pyramid, is all Coco-themed. That's what they did, great. the dead stuff. And I, to, to start from right now, loved Coco. I've watched it twice. I cried my eyes out both times with huge, heaving, terrible sobs. So bad on an airplane that the flight attendants had to check on me. <laughs> Miss, are you? Are you okay? Are you good? Um, and I was not good, and I was not okay, because Coco broke my heart in the best way. But it's one of my favorite Pixar movies ever made. It's an, a, a phenomenal film. Three Caballeros is a fun property and the ride itself is very, very fun. But if you gave it the emotional heart and impact that the movie Coco has, it could be a shattering experience and in a good way. You've got your couple of blood orange margaritas from the taquera up front and, nice. and, and then you ride that ride and just cry your eyes out because it, yeah, you could get on your boat and travel into the world of the dead and you see all of the, all of your little animals and your and your dead relatives and 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 all of this beautiful beautiful poppy imagery it, if it was reframed like that it it could be an, an a total winner it it could and it, and it would last i think the test of time definitely definitely yeah the thing about the three caballeros is that i think no one nowadays remembers the three caballeros i remember the three caballeros of course you remember the three caballeros you love any property that involves ducks, just at all. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and, and you know what? Actually, I think the Three Caballeros might make an appearance in a future episode uh, because I have a lot to say about the post-war uh, political leanings of the Disney company. Um, and the Three Caballeros is a, is a shining example of that. But yes, it's time, I think. I think the ride was, the, the current ride as it is, is really cute mm. and a really like, oh, what the fun it is to be in Mexico mm. kind of ride. But I think Coco gave Mexico and gave Mexican culture, especially to typical American viewers. Mm. Uh, it gave so much more of a, of a, of a heart and a depth that, uh, that I think the three caballeros could never ever touch oh. because they're funny. Yeah. They're just silly and giving it, giving it heart and giving it depth and giving it, Power, I think, could be really, really touching and beautiful for and, that section. And increasingly important, I yeah. think. Uh, in our current political climate, it yeah. could be really important, yeah, to to highlight how how beautiful and rich Mexican culture is. Mm -hmm. Not just cute on an, you know, from a 
from a bird and duck perspective. <laughs> now, speaking of uh, culture and importance and, yes. and representation, the Hawaiian roller coaster ride idea. Ugh. And you're so right, Charles. It's right there in the title. It's right there in the movie. You just take the track from the film. You sync it up to a really, really cute... I'm, I'm thinking small family-type coaster. Yeah, I'm Not thinking... Not especially thrilling. Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Yeah. Or um, in California, maybe a Gadgets Go coaster. Like, yeah. a, a really simple, cute, no loops, nothing complicated, fun little roller coaster to the tune of Hawaiian roller coaster ride. Yeah, and then at the at the beginning or the end, you've got a Stitch and Lilo animatronic, and they're like, Welcome to Hawaii! Hang ten! We're, <laughs> we surf! Elvis music! Oh, you could also throw oh, some Elvis in. A little like, Elvis music. Like, like, maybe you stop at one point, maybe the roller coaster kind of comes to a halt in a dark room kind of space, and Stitch moves the record needle away from your Hawaiian roller coaster ride into You ain't rolled about a hound dog. And then we could have kind of like a different kind of vibe coming off of the track at that point. Maybe it could be some whoop de doos or something. That would be really cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, you paint the cars like a surfboard, like yeah. a longboard. Um, and, and I think in, in the pre-show, you would focus on the fact that this is post-movie. So that this like yeah. everybody's happy and just hanging out. You've got in Hawaii. the the aliens that came that that tried to take them back, tried to take Stitch back. Yeah, You've got nice Mr. Now. Bubbles. Yeah, he's uh, happy. The CIA agent guy. Everyone's happy and chill and living in Hawaii. You've got Nani. You've got David. You've got you know everyone's happy and hulaing and and being fabulous together. Yeah, that that post credit scene or that mid credit scene vibe that you get from the original no sequel no tv show just just post lilo and stitch post lilo and stitch and you're a hundred percent right charles that's a masterpiece of a film yeah. i think about it all the time yeah. and how much i love and respect that movie and you're right that stitch's great escape barely counts if at all um and and it, I, you know that that being a reskin itself in the first place of extraterrestrial um <laughs> which which is one of the great missteps, I think, of Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland, you know, from an outsider's perspective. Now, your third idea, Epcot, but it's Halloween Town. But it's Halloween Town. So I don't know if you know this. Those of you who are Florida-based uh, might not know, but we and and I I've never been to Walt Disney World in um, in. Halloween times. Halloween times in <laughs> October and, and November-ish. But Disneyland reskins the whole The whole park, darn park, yeah. The whole darn, darn park to be Halloween-themed. There's a there's a giant pumpkin head Mickey. I, I think you guys have this. Mickey's I'm not so I'm sure square. you it's have it. The not-so-scary Halloween and all of this. I'm yeah. sure you have some of this. Um, but coming from our California perspective... We get a lot of Halloween stuff, and one of our big deal Halloween changes is the change of the Haunted Mansion to um, a holiday. The, the, Haunted, the Mansion Haunted Mansion holiday, holiday which is it uh, runs from October to January. From October first to December thirty first, you get only Haunted Mansion holiday, which is the reskin of the Haunted Mansion as. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. And gosh, for all I know, that could be you guys too. Um, you can see that this is our loosey-goosey episode without much um, <laughs> We haven't really done the research. the research. 
And I hope that they do because honestly, it's probably my favorite time of year at Disney. You know, I, as much as I love the original Haunted Mansion, Haunted Mansion Holiday is it's, awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's like it's like stupid fun. <laughs> it's really uh, fun. It's fun to sing along to, and it's it's fun to ride. It's fun to be in the line for. And honestly, I it's think, a good reason. I think Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of the quintessential uh, Halloween and Christmas film, which is weird that that even exists as a thing. It might be the only one of its kind, honestly, but you know, it, it, it perfectly combines the aesthetics. But going back to specifically Epcot in Halloween, and you said specifically as Halloween Town. Now, I'm not as familiar with Halloween Town as an IP, as a concept, but we had some ideas on how Epcot could celebrate Halloween proper. And again, We've never been to Epcot in October, so we don't know if this is something I they do. I think they have the Food and Wine Festival at that time. I, maybe. I was there during the Flower Festival, mm. and it was darling. Mm. So I'm sure that... I know they have lots and lots of lots of festivals. Mm. And just recently on Twitter, I saw them refer to Epcot when there's not a festival going on. They refer to it as Diet Epcot. Oh, no. And that's hysterical. Poor Epcot. So the Flower Festival was just absolutely darling, but we had some ideas on what Epcot should do if they don't already on Halloween time. So a big part of Epcot and my favorite part of Epcot was walking around to the different countries and and trying their different drinks and 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 food and uh, experiencing, you know, tiny, tiny versions of their different cultures in each space. And now Charles, from- was, Charles was mentioning that it's kind of the adults' uh, boozy park. Yes. And, and that there's the potential there for real scares. Yeah. So I, should should Epcot go truly scary? I think it could go truly scary. I think it could scary. afford to. Well, then again, there, if there's stayed, a lot. If it stayed boozy, mm. I think it could go scary. I did get, and Charles, I... I kind of feel like you were calling me out a little bit in that comment. In fact, I did go boozy at Epcot when I was there. And if it stayed boozy, if you had a chance to have a drink at each place, maybe a spooky version of of each drink. I don't know. Maybe there's dry ice in it, making it it spooky. Why are you trying to sell me on this? Listen, I see your face. I'm in the room with you now. I know when you see my face when you say something. I know when you're questioning my. My ideas. Uh, but, but hear me out. Okay. You go to each country, mm. and when you hit each country, there's a mythological version of their scariest myths mm. in each space. Mm. So you've got... Um, oh, my God. I just had the biggest blank. So say you were in Japan. You walked into the Japan place. You can get your sake and you can... Spooky sake. It's got dry ice in it or something. Stop it. <laughs> so you, so say I were to... I'm a, 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 a patron of Epcot and I've gone in for Epcot Halloween mm. and I walk into Japan. What do I see? Uh, maybe Ringu. Mm-hmm. No, that probably not that. But you know, uh, the, Japan has a lot of really they scary have legends. A lot of scary legends, uh, and like one of which is actually a cloth monster that uh, flies down and eats you. Oh no! Uh, and so, like, so much, so much potential. Honestly, can't think of a great Japan ghost at this point. But maybe I think I think there's a lady without a face. Ooh. I think that would be pretty good. Yeah. Um. And, and I kind of imagine that um, each country would have kind of the one big monster. And that um, as, you, as you toured, you'd, you'd either get to 
here's the one thing I want to I want to caution against. Here in SoCal, we have Knott's Scary Farm. And it's, like, mazy. It's mazy. And we also have um, Halloween uh, Horror Nights, Hollywood Horror Nights they at Universal have, Studios. They do have that at Universal um, Orlando also. Yes. And there's also... Um, Six Flags. Halloween Hunt, I think it's called. I think so. Uh, and so, you know, we have, we have these Halloween overlays, and they're very much the rest of the park kind of closes down... You send the kids home, out come the actors who have fake blood all over them, and they jump out of corners. Sure, and there is a time and place for that. Disney, I think, would never go that far. No, they are, like like you said, Charles, um, not-so-scary Halloween. Mickey's right. not-so-scary. So Epcot, Epcot could get legit scary, but in, like, a quieter way. Yeah. You would, like, put the monster, like, meet Baba Yaga. Is that I don't a Russian think, monster? I don't think they... I don't remember there being Russia there. <laughs> um, I don't think they have Russia, but that was my first go-to also. Like, um, I, I'm sure there's, you know, a, a Mexican, German, Norwegian, um, Italian, French, Canadian, English. I'm blanking on the rest of the countries that are there. Uh, Chinese, Japanese, every every country has a myth. You get a werewolf in London. Oh snap! That would be, and then you can tie it into the Werewolf of London, that Warren would be Zevon awesome. song, and then you could play the Warren Zevon song in line to meet the Werewolf in London. And maybe, yeah, maybe you meet him, and it's not so scary as it is like a fun scavenger hunt kind of thing. You, you know, I think that's why Charles brought up um, Halloween Town right. because because that's Jack Skellington's house. Mm, no, that's. Uh, no, yeah, ha- this is our town called Halloween. Dun, is that Halloween dun, Town? No, dun, I thought dun, he was dun, referencing dun, um, dun, Halloween dun, Town, dun, the um, the um, Disney Channel original series no. Halloween Town. No. Isn't that it? Oh no! Yeah, it's Halloween Town. That's a that's a that's a Disney movie. It's a film series. Yeah, Halloween from Town. Nineteen ninety eight. Wait. <laughs> You don't get it. Wait, okay, hang on. Charles. <laughs> yeah, no, I was right about this. He was talking about Halloween Town, the Disney Channel series, this original movie series. Halloween Town. Halloween Town. And like I, I said, it's that. this. Oh, I don't know what he's talking I, about. There. Okay. Because I imagine Jack Skellington's house. And let me tell you, this also is good. so cool. Okay. <laughs> you walk in, Spaceship Earth is lit up like Jack Skellington's head. Right? Okay. Okay. F- f- so you're me. changing it this from Halloween Town to Well, I just want to, to tell Nightmare you what, what, I, what I imagined. <laughs> um, and beneath it is, um, they, they've wheeled out buildings that would be Halloween Town, including that creepy fountain from the center of town. Agreed. Uh, Jack is walking around. And um, he's like, welcome, welcome. It's Halloween. Welcome to Halloween Town. Take a trip around the world. I'm not the only Halloween king in town. Every country's got a Halloween king. That's my Danny Elfman. That's very good. Thank you. It's getting better. Um, (laughs) And so then you go, and they're all kind of Burton-esque versions of those monsters. Of each country and each of those monsters, where they're spooky, but not... But colorful and, like, kind of of fun, too. Yeah, okay. So when he was referencing Halloween Town, now it's been about 150 years since Mm -hmm. I've seen Mm -hmm. any of the Halloween Town movies, Mm -hmm. but he specifically mentioned um, this is the the time of year where these monsters and these, like, spooks go home. Oh, yeah. It's like a weird home, and, like, um, I, I know there's a better example, but my brain is absolutely 
fried. Um, but say you were in Mexico and suddenly, like, over there in the corner, go take a picture with a chupacabra. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a, that's not the example well, that you would use. That's probably not the one you'd use for Mexico. But, for, ex- for example, mm-hmm. that's a spooky, scary Mexican lore. Yeah. You would have to dive deep into each country's lore. Mm-hmm. And pick a monster or pick a spooky figure from each country. And, yeah. like, they, that person has taken over their spoke of the wheel. And you can go into each one and you can meet them or you can see how they, you know, affect. And But all the rides are still open. It's mm-hmm. not, like, yeah, like, not Scary Farm mm-hmm. or... Is that even yeah, it's called Not Scary not Farm. Scary Farm? Yeah. I feel like they gave it another, another name. No, it's called Not Scary um, Farm. <laughs> not Scary Farm has where they've shut most of the rides down. Almost all of them. And they put just these like mazes up and you walk through just to get spooked and scared yeah. and yelled at That's and scream and cry. But like only maybe like four of the rides are open. Mm. Like Supreme Scream and Accelerator and, and they keep Ghost Silver Rider Bullet open and they have Ghost to go Riders open. Oh it's so fun though. Yeah. Um gosh I can't wait for y'all to hear our adventures in Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, it would just be like, what if this country but was taken over by... But was Halloween. But was Halloween. Whatever, a sp- whatever. A smidge. Whatever is the spookiest time and the spookiest thing that that, that, that country, country does. Has. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Because not every country celebrates Halloween like we do. It no. wouldn't be like, like Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween, what they do in Disneyland and what I assume the Magic Kingdom is it's a little bit like a trick or treat party. Yeah. The kids go to each ride and you can ride the ride and what get a piece of candy yeah. at the end. And you're still... You know, like having fun and giddy. Epcot is the more grown-up version. So you, you know, yeah, you might have take your, a drink. your older kid there, like your your like middle school kid, and and like that, it would be a little scary for them. Yeah, but you also get to what was my favorite part of of Epcot when I went was learn about each country a little, and yeah. and they've got merch and and stuff that you can buy your chupacabra plushie today. Ha, it's ha, limited ha. edition. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> you can yeah, you can go to each and you can get your whichever drink you like, whatever food you like, and stuff, and it's all still there. But you also get to learn a little bit about their lore and their mythology and their and their American gods version of 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 what makes their country like mythology important and and special. I I think that's a, that's appropriate to uh, Epcot's mission statement. So not only would it like serve both purposes, but I think it would be like a fun way to integrate spookiness into the theme park. All right, Charles, we believe we have reached a point with your ideas where we are happy with our response. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for calling in. And now I believe we must move on. To T.H. Ponders. T.H. Ponders cannot wait to hear what you have to say. Let's go. Roll that clip. Hello, buddy. Hello, Alice. Hello, Kate, I guess. Maybe. I don't know if you listen to the episodes. Hello, all the people in those lovely places. Uh, My idea for theme park goodness, um, not a specific ride, because I started with a specific ride and it expanded. I uh, want to create an entire theme park in New Jersey called Broadway World. And I will pitch you my idea for Broadway World. And then I would like you guys to come up with rides or attractions based on musicals or Broadway shows that you really like. 
So obviously I first turned to Hamilton. Uh, I think there could be a really good roller coaster called uh, My Shot. Uh, there could be a really good dark ride version of nonstop where you're going through the first years of America being a place after the end of the Revolutionary War. And of course, the, the whole theme park could have its fast pass could be called uh, Why Do You Ride Like You're Running Out of Time, which would be great. Uh, so my challenge to you is to pick a Broadway musical and come up with a ride for that uh, Broadway musical. I think there are a couple of easy ones. Uh, I will let you know if you come up with what I'm thinking about, but that is my that is my pitch. That's my idea for you guys. P.S. Alice probably can't come up with a good Rogue One ride. And yes, this is trash talk. Well, 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 Ponders. Looks like it wow. is time for a little bit of trash talk. Um, so uh, first things first, let's get it out of the way. Do you have a Rogue One ride idea? Yeah, my Rogue One idea is just um, Star Tours, but it's um, a ride to Scarif, and it ends with me crying in a ball in the fetal position in the corner. <laughs> oh, so it's just Star Tours. Except it's just Star Tours, it's just, but it's but it's just for me, and I'm crying the it, whole time. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's just regular Star Tours then. <laughs> oh, right. No, you're right. I cry every time. I cry every time I ride Star Tours, too. No, uh, ah, Ponders. Oh, honey, I'm sure you sent that before we started our new project, Rogue Fun, a podcast story. Uh, now, trailer now available on iTunes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my idea for a, for a Rogue One um, ride is it's Star Tours, but what you don't know is it's the Rogue One version of Star Tours. So, like, <laughs> and you end up dead at the Yeah, end. you get on and you're like, wow, this version of Star Tours is like a little dark. And then at the end, the, the whole thing explodes. And it goes to black and then the lights come on and they're like, thank you for riding. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's K2 instead of 3PO. Actually, that would be pretty boss. Oh my God, yes. Okay, so it's just Star Tours, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's just Star um, Tours, but is Tours. my favorite new way to begin a sentence. It's just Star Tours, but with the, like Star a Tours. small twist. Like it's still the same, um, but okay. Now, now this is a serious answer mm. uh, to because Disney seems to have forgotten that it made Rogue One, That's and there's true. like hardly any merch or anything about it. Mm. It's just Star Tours, but sometimes you get three PO hosting, sometimes you get K two S O hosting. Sometimes you get L3 hosting. Mm. Let's throw in Solo in yeah, there just not? for funsies. Um, and in the middle of the ride, and maybe instead of Poe Dameron, sometimes you see Cassian, sometimes you see Chiridimway. And um, you just, Ooh, I'd like you know, Chirrut to call you with a mission. I would love Chirrut to call you with a mission. That see, sounds good. Because Donnie ends a national treasure, mm. international treasure. There you go. And... Um, honestly, I would just, for a Rogue One ride, would really just like Disney to have not forgotten that Please Rogue One exists. Please, Please acknowledge. acknowledge. <laughs> um, that's all. That's all. Let's go back, though. Okay, let's so let's, let's, get, let's get to the actual meat of the question. It's, it's Broadway World. Broadway it's Land. Broadway Land in, uh, New Jersey, in New Jersey, of all places. Well, that so. actually makes sense. You know, no, you, you, go, you go into the city and you... Uh, and you, you go to Broadway Go proper. to Broadway and you see Broadway and you're like, okay, that was pretty good, but I wish it was rides. <laughs> Uh, and you you just hop the L train out nope. of the city. You take you take the eight fifteen nope. out of. You just gotta grab the uh, the, the path. 
you grab the path out of the city and you're in New Jersey. Jersey. And there in the green rolling hills of Jersey uh, is Broadway land. Yes. And so each, I'm, I'm thinking each huge hit from Broadway, each international smash hit from Broadway, non-Disney properties only, of course. Of course. Uh, has a land. So okay. I'm thinking like there's a Cats land. Okay. Cats um, gets a land. I'm thinking there's Wicked, a Phantom of the Opera land. Fa- Cats, Wicked, Phantom, uh, Rent. Uh, uh, Jersey Boys. <laughs> Jersey Boys. Oh, wait, no. Jersey Boys is Main Street USA. Oh my God! Yes. So and and it's also um, oh, because see, no, you're Disney, in Jersey. Disney owns it, doesn't? Don't they? Um, uh, the the one about the newspaper guys. Newsies, yeah, Newsies. that's a Disney. That's a Disney, Disney one. Property. So you can't have that. But you have yeah, the Jersey. But I, boys. it's also just not as big. I mean, it's big. Newsies was like a like a pretty big hit. But I'm thinking every generation of Broadway had like a big deal hit. Mm. Um, I'm gonna go back to only just about as far back as Hair. Mm. So you got Hair. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a big deal hit. Big Hair, deal hits. a chorus line. Um, shit. Jesus um, Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, Rent, Wicked, Phantom, Cats, um, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, Avenue Q. Avenue Q Land. That'd be pretty good. Um, and, uh, most recently, of course, Hamilton, but you covered that one. Uh, so we're not going to do Hamilton. Though I do really like the idea of integrating the American story as part of Hamilton. Give me a hall of presidents, but what but with Hamilton, Hamilton and their singing animatronics. That's, Thank you. Uh, you know what? That's, it's really that's good. a perfect ride. I know, it's really good. You just pitched a perfect ride. There you go. <laughs> it's, it, it is it is the Hall of Presidents or the Carousel of Progress, but instead it's just animatronics singing it's songs It's rapping presidents. It's rapping Ronnie Reagan. And they look like Lin-Manuel and Liz, Leslie Odom Jr. and Chris Jackson. you don't Jackson. think it would be all of the no, presidents nope. but rapping? Uh, nope. I don't want them real. I want them to look just like the actors. Okay. I need Renee. I need everyone. Okay. Philippa, yes. Um, okay, but going to other musicals. Hmm. Now you, buddy... I called Dibs on Wicked Land. You did. Uh, And that's because I always thought um, Wicked had hints of bigger aesthetic choices in its staging. You and I saw Wicked in New York in 2004. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about this. We did. Um... And oh my god, we were babies. Remember the giant mechanical dragon coming off of the stage? Of course I do. I saw Wicked and, six uh, times. Do you remember <laughs> do you remember the the wizard's face, which I thought was an amazing puppet? It's a great puppet. They did it as a puppet instead of as a hologram, like in the film, The Wizard yeah. of Oz. Uh, I, I thought there was a lot of like little little things that we could expand on with the way Wicked was staged, the choices that were made in the costuming and then set design. Um and it's a flying ride. Ooh. Um, so you start out with Ethelba um, uh, taking off. Uh, so so uh, uh, defying gravity. Uh, maybe I'm uh, defying gravity. So you're you're in a um, uh, it's a it's a Peter Pan type uh, car, except it's shaped like a broomstick, but <gasps> giant. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and you're sitting in it. And no one's gonna bring me. And then on No One's Gonna Bring Me Down, out you go, and you fly over the reimagined Oz um, into Ethelbus Castle, where you then witness her gruesome death. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that seems like a bit of a downer, actually. You know what? Maybe I don't want Wicked Land. (laughs) 
No, but I see that because the end of Wicked, the musical, involves her popping back up. Right, and, she's not actually. And Fiero is the scarecrow, and they run away happily mm-hmm. ever after together. Yeah. And and it's real cute, and you get your cute for good moment between Elphaba uh, and and Glinda, and so you yeah you could turn that into like a flying Peter Pan esque dark ride. That'd like be that could good. be kind of cute. Yeah, and you could have a lot of it's the scenes. a lot of plot. Yeah. in one dark ride. Yeah, and that's the thing, like. Yeah, are you gonna are you gonna do each musical number for each show like just ramble and the emeralds and you're like flying through it and there's all this like everybody's everybody's very excited that you're there you know what can I switch answers I want to have it in Q land now I just want to have it no in I'm no you you called dibs on Wicked oh, Land so that's the one you get to do no and and as soon as I as I remembered that Avenue Q was was such a big smash hit and it uh, so it and Wicked were released the same year and Avenue Avenue Q beat Wicked out for um, best new musical mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, Avenue Q, however, closed before Wicked. Wicked uh, proved to be the more enduring mm. uh, blockbuster. Mm. But Avenue Q has a lot of really fun aesthetic choices. Yes. And if this was a theme park in New Jersey that was okay with going a little more adult, mm. Avenue Q was mad fun as far as being like a Main Street USA kind of vibe. Like, you've got your puppets po- popping out of the windows to sing and say hello and, and, and moan and whine about how how sad and their, how much their lives suck. I and think you could do the the big joke chorus parts from each show, or each each uh, part of the musical in a dark ride where the characters are popping out of windows and talking to each other. Yeah, and it would be kind of a fun way to get people to go ahead and see, like, they're like the most iconic parts of every Broadway musical all in one space because Broadway is very expensive. I, I, the thing I wor- worry about with Broadway land, the, the theme park, the, maybe the, the naysay that I might have here is that uh, so much of the appeal of Broadway is the amazing performances that are happening live. And if this the was all, the dancing. if it was all screens or animatronics, you lose that, the thrill of the live and performance. And that's just not very exciting, is it? That's why I think Avenue Q Land works so well because it's all puppets. It's all puppets, so might as well just go full animatronic with it, right? And yeah. that would be impressive enough on its own. Um, but honestly, that's the more I think about like Wicked Land. I'm like, oh, geez, you're gonna have like f- fifteen uh, versions of animatronic Ethelbo's just like in Elphaba. the Star Trek El Elphaba. Elphaba. It's Elphaba. It's L F. It's L F B. Elphaba for L. Frank Baum, the right. writer of... And I'm going to say Alfalfa from now on, <laughs> so that I don't anger you. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> he said knowing full well that that would anger you. Um, Much more than before. And, then, like, without it being Adele Dazim, uh, it's just not that fascinating of a, of a feat, is it? It's not that, it's not that exciting. I did. I'm sorry. Uh, Dina Menzel? Yes. Adele Dazim. Yeah, Adele Dazim. That's her. Yeah, no, that's her name, right? Right, her. No, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I completely agree. As a out of this world massive Broadway fan, Mm. um, it would Broadway World might be fun as maybe as a like a festival. Like this is like a traveling festival of a showcase of a handful of numbers from well, that's the best just Broadway called Forbidden musicals. Broadway. Oh no, but they're parody. No, and that's they how they like, get away with it. They do like Weird Al parodies of Broadway. Yeah, 
Um, what would what would Cats Land look like? Do you think you would do animatronic cats, or do you think you would do no, animatronic cat people? I think that animatro- that Cats Land would be kind of like Bugs Land mm. in California Adventure. Oh, dang. Where the world you've walked into is, is the from the perspective world. of the cat. That's pretty good. I know. Um, so, like, in, in Bugs Land, in, in Disney California Adventure, which is soon to be gone, um... You walk in, and it's like you are the size of a bug. All of the plants are really, really tall, and... There's human garbage There's Yeah, like a Chinese food takeout box is knocked over on its side and becomes the entrance to a ride Mm. and and whatever. But it feels like you're the size of an ant. Mm. And what all of these trash, like straws and stuff, must look like from your perspective... Mm. If it was Cat's Land, it would be that. But, like, everything is a giant trash can. You're, like, an alley cat. And, like, there's this huge trash can. Cat's Land is is a giant rendition of one alley. Of one specific alley in New York City where you are the cat running around. Mm -hmm. And then, you you know, the the Andrew Lloyd Webber's gorgeous, you know, uh, score is playing in the background. Does it have a ride? Does it have, like, what's what's the big ride in Cat's Land? The big ride is, uh, it's called... um, memory and it is you get in and it's a dark ride and you follow the tale of grizabella and her journey from cool cat into sad depressed uh loner cat and then at the end she gets to ascend into cat heaven with old deuteronomy and it's just the plot of cats, but just Grizabella's part That's of pretty cats. Good. But no McCavity? I mean, like, why even go? Well, McCavity could have a magic show. There could be a show in Catsland mm. that is just McCavity doing magic tricks. It is it is just a dude in a McCavity. It's not like, oh, this is a cat, but it's like a dude in a cat suit. Mm. And he's doing magic. He's McCav. Oh no! Uh, sorry, McCavity's mis- mystery cat. Sorry, mm-hmm. I got him temporarily mixed up with Mr. Mistopheles, the right. magic cat. Right. Sorry, Mr. Mistopheles, <laughs> the magic cat who does magic tricks, mm-hmm. who uh, brings old Deuteronomy back. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the play once. Yes. Sorry. Um. Uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Mistopheles. Uh, the magic cat has a magic show, and uh, I don't know what McCavity does. He's the bad guy. Um, McCavity, the mystery cat. Right. Um, he is. And he's called the hidden paw. He is in the ride, um, and he pops out at you scarily while you're following Grizabella's path. Um, and are they are they humanoid looking cats or are they cat animatronics? They are humanoid looking cats. Okay. And I don't know why. But that's how I want them but to be. But that's how you need them to be. That's fine. I'll take that. Um, that's all the ideas I have. I'm all ideaed out. What about, uh, is there a Phantom of the Opera land, or is it just a giant opera house a, that they hold shows It in? is, okay, it is a giant opera house, but inside you get in, and it is another dark ride. Oh, no. And you ride it, though, down in, like, a big into spiral the into the catacombs. Jeez. You ride what looks like... When you're, it turns from dark ride, like oh you're in a theater seat, but your theater seat in the theater goes down, down, down in a spiral pattern into the catacombs, and it rides over what looks like water. So mm. it's like you're the boat that goes over the water into the phantoms thing. It's like haunted mansion. It's, it's on like an haunted Omnimover. mansion. It's on an omni mover exactly, but it mm. rides over over water like you're the boat. The cars look like uh balconies in in a theater. Okay, I like that. That might be a little 
big, but <laughs> I, I'm imagining them as theater seats, but maybe the <coughs> bit in front of you that is what the safety bar comes mm. down looks kind of a golden ornate like you're sitting in nice. a like a in a balcony. Nice. And then um and then you see the animatronic phantom turns around like that really rad animatronic in Snow White. Yes. Um and and it looks you see him in the mirror and he's got his mask on but when he turns around he doesn't and he's super spooky and then your omni mover rides away from him and and then you're safe and and then Raul's like I'm, come with me yeah and then and Raul takes you to safety and okay. then you get off the ride very counter short pitch, counter pitch it's like uh, Terminator Two the ride <gasps> the show where there's actual real actors yeah so yeah. it's um. It's a presentation by the Historic Society, and they're like, "Yes." And there was a, there was a Phantom once, <gasps> kind of like the very beginning of the film. Yeah, where it's all in black and white. Yeah, and they're and like, then, this is the auction. But of this the... this doesn't it doesn't happen here anymore. And then the uh, then the chandelier almost lands on the audience, and they're like, <gasps> "The Phantom must be back." Bum 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 bum, and then they jump into the three D screen, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, <laughs> "Come with me if you want to escape the Phantom." <laughs> I I hope that that uh, was an Orlando thing also, or else no one will know what we're talking about. <laughs> anyway, Terminator: The Ride, the movie. It was in Orlando as well. Was it? Yeah. It was the best, it and was. it's not in California anymore. Yeah, they closed, they closed it. it. Isn't it Minions now? It was so good. Yes, it is. Um, it was so good, and it was yeah, because it was part show, part screen ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was real actors like involved, and yeah, I would love to see a Phantom version of that. Mm-hmm. But but the bit where the Phantom has his mask, but he turns and he doesn't have his mask on, it's the same animatronic as Snow White. Perfect. It's the same it's one. Like, mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> With this, this disguise, I'll, I'll fool them all. Exactly. Perfect. It even <laughs> plays that audio. In fact, it's just <laughs> Snow White. <laughs> In fact, let's just go to Disneyland and write Snow right, White's scary Disneyland. adventures. <laughs> All right, Ponders, um, I believe we have uh, answered your questions and and pitched the right amount of uh, Broadway land rides. I hope that was good. Also, bring your trash talk to the next episode of Rogue Fun, a podcast story, because uh, I see you and I'm going to fight you. Well, Alice, I think it's time for our third call-in guest, our third and final for the night. Are you ready? I am. Our last call-in guest for the night is Gavin the Podcat, (gasps) a.k.a. the Pod Report. Um, so Gavin sent in a clip. I'm about to roll it. Are you ready? I'm super ready. All right. Tell me to roll that clip. Roll that clip. Hello, buddy and Alice. Your call on Twitter did not fall on deaf ears. I see you've been asking for people to challenge you with a a tricky IP to make a ride for. My wonderful girlfriend has submitted such an IP for that, and I'm recording it for her. So I bet you can't make a ride out of... She's laughing already in the background. I challenge you to make a ride out of the Paul Blart Mall Cop series. Specific, if you want hints, we've been thinking about a dark ride, and uh, the only specific I will help you out with is, obviously, the ride vehicle has to be a standing one that looks like a really wide Segway. And you can take it from there. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Okay. 
Because, of course, the ride vehicle is a Segway. No, that's literally before you even finish talking, <laughs> Gavin. But, like, ten seconds before you finish talking, I was like, well, obviously the ride vehicle is a Segway. And then you said that. So, uh, no, I don't have any original ideas. Okay, okay. Holy sh... It's an Omnimover system, though. Of course. And uh, it actually, it's more of a conveyor belt than anything else, because the Segway, you do stand on it like it's an actual Segway. Uh-huh. And it's a one-wide, one-person Segway. Everybody's <laughs> just stepping onto this conveyor belt of Segways. And the Segways are fully articulated and can rotate so that it can show you different scenes from Paul Blart's uh, perspective. <laughs> It's a kind of a day in the life of the Blart, I guess, okay. um, is, is what you would go for. Um, so lots of Kevin James animatronics. Um, uh. Look, he's not busy, so maybe <laughs> you can just get Kevin James for most of it. Okay. Actually, Kevin James is a, is a, a consistently working actor. He yeah, is busy. he's in everything. He deserves our respect. Um, I, I know, I do, I do love him, and he's a, he's a good dude. Um, okay, here's my counter proposal, okay. buddy. Okay, you know the ride at Six Flags Magic Mountain Riddler's Revenge? Where it's a standing coaster? It's a standing coaster? Yes. You stand up, they strap you in standing mm-hmm. with big deal shoulder straps and waistbands yes. and everything. Yes. And then you ride a actual roller coaster while you're standing yes. with like loops and all. Yeah. It's exactly that ride. It's just the Riddler's it's Revenge. It's just the Riddler's Revenge. Except they Revenge. repainted it from uh, green and purple to just the white and gray of a Segway. Yes. <laughs> and the line, the like line while you're walking in is a mall mm. and you see terrible mall shops on either side of you while you're walking in and, and they're all it's funny like, they're, they're like uh, mall shops that couldn't exist right like like joke versions of things like Orange Julius or Spencer's Gifts or it's, whatever uh, instead of Starbucks it's a star bad got him <laughs> got him <laughs> um yeah and um and but the the concept is while you're walking through the line they are recruiting you to mall security. You are joining mall security. Okay. And Paul Blart is your manager. Now that now that you've said that, I'm sorry, it can't be a roller coaster. It's Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. And you're yes. on no, you're on you're... an experimental prototype three-person Segway that yes. can rotate and you have to shoot you have to, with, to, your, with your like taser gun yeah, or whatever all of, all of the bad guys trying to rob the mall nope, you're absolutely right honestly and you get penalty points if you accidentally shoot a mall patron and then at the end you get a special video message from Paul Blart who's like oh you're not ready to be a mall cop yet or like congratulations you're one of the greatest small cops I've ever seen. Like, welcome to the force. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And that's what it has to be, Alice. No, you're totally right. It's... I would love for there to be a roller coaster element to this. I think that would be hysterical because right. it's such a benign IP. Yes. Um, that has no thrill or or anything to it whatsoever. But you're totally right. It's an Astro Blaster. <laughs> it's, it's an Astro Blaster. It's totally, it's totally, or what it, What do they call it in Orlando? Uh, Space Ranger Spin. Space Ranger Spin. That's exactly it. You've got your little gun, but it's like a little taser. <laughs> and you've got to choose between your your bad guys, your shoplifters, or your, your, your vandals, or whatever, and your casual mall goers and old ladies and, and stuff. And I, I'm, I'm, I've got a, I'm, I'm having a vision, Alice, it's 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 happening. Do you remember the Men in Black ride at Orlando 
uh, Universal sure Studios. I sure do. Uh, so you know how that starts out and it's a training exercise, just like the training exercise from the movie? Yeah. And it's like, don't shoot uh, Sally. Don't, don't shoot the little girl. Oh, right. just kidding. She's an She's alien. She's an alien. And then it turns out, oh no, actual actual invasion happening right now. Yes. Okay, so here's your scenario. You're, uh, you're walking through the first part. There's an animatronic Paul Blart and he's like, uh, welcome to the mall. I'm Paul Blart, greatest small cop ever. You know me from my movies. Um, you know we're gonna put you through our training program and see if that if you have what it takes to to uh, observe and report. I think are your two main duties. <laughs> is, wait, is there another movie called Observe and Report there about is. mall cops? Okay. Um, it's either about mall cops or about generic security guards. Okay, but so yes, yeah, we'll see if you have what it takes to be a mall cop. So you you get in your experimental Segway prototype and you're zapping uh, cardboard cutouts, and then suddenly in comes Paul Blart over the radio. <laughs> They've locked down the mall. They've taken hostages. This is a real. This scenario. is real. It's up to you. And then you're like, oh no. So then, like, bam, you're into the bad bucks or whatever, uh, star bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the guy pops around the corner and he's knocking over mocha frappuccinos and you're like, pachu pachu, and you get him. So you got like a bunch of different cool store-based scenarios mm-hmm. where your targets can pop out of. Okay, there's like be... a hot dog on a stick yeah. and like like poor innocent teenage girls <laughs> in their dumb little hats. Yeah, like, and they're like, oh no. Oh no. And, but if you accidentally shoot one of them, you lose points. Yeah, of course. Or, you know, like later Paul Blart will chastise you. Yeah. He'll be like, that was bad. But again, like we discussed in our in our Rides as Games episode, you can't have a lost state. Right. You can't have somebody lose. So at the end, Paul Blart has to say... Like, congratulations. Congratulations. You did a really good job. You're a mall cop. But if your score is like... But like, that's the thing. Your score does not have to be very high for you to be a mall cop. Like, <laughs> it's not that important. <laughs> it, it scores zero to infinite points, you make the rank of mall cop. Exactly. <laughs> it's not like... Space Ranger spin where like you might not make a uh, cadet if you if but you if you have out. zero to whatever a thousand you're just like rookie trainee or whatever mm-hmm. like oh no well like you did okay but Buzz Lightyear never says to you personally you did okay well that's the thing that's what I would really love if if they recorded messages by Kevin James that's and like Kevin James is like well I don't know maybe you, a little more training hey. Yeah, you keep it up, kid. Someday you'll be a mall cop, too. Like, or if you did really good, like, wow, you could be my manager. <laughs> You're the hero of mall cops. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, Alice, not overly familiar with Paul Blart Mall Cop as a franchise. I have never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I think I've seen it, like, once. And I, I remember him, like, die-harding, like, through, through an air vent, but he's... He's Kevin James. But he's Kevin James, and right. so the joke is that he's fat or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's very casual, very uh, lowbrow comedy. Yeah. Um, but that's where, like, the memes have come in. Right. Like, it's... I'm sure that it's got its merit or whatever, but it drew... It has no draw for me yeah. at all. Um, that would be that would be the one criticism I would have. Uh, obviously, very funny idea. It's but so good. The one thing is, and like... And thank you... Thank you, thank Gavin. you, Gavin, and especially thank you, Gavin's girlfriend. Like, <laughs> I wish we had your name as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it's it's hilarious, and I can imagine it very clearly in my head. And and you'd get uh, piped in uh, soft '80s hits 
as you as you shot all of these bad guys. It would oh, be yeah. pretty cool. Oh yeah, big eighties power ballads. No, but they would be they would be uh, played over like a mall loudspeaker system. So like very aesthetic. Yeah. Like very vaporwave. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Night Ranger. <laughs> Night Ranger, but played like very softly over tinny speakers. <laughs> um and, and, and that would be I'd 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 ride it. I totally would ride I, it. I'd ride it maybe every time I went. If it was self-aware or like like jokey enough that it was like this is obviously a joke we know this is funny and silly mm. but but not so much that it's like hey kids get it it's like the memes <laughs> if the if the attitude was yeah we did this and not like hey we did this it's fun if, yeah. if it was like no it's a we very we, fine line we went ahead and did it we knew we knew you wanted it we knew you secretly wanted it in your heart of hearts. We got we got every named actor to play a part in this. Yeah. We are Universal Studios. We can do whatever we want. Is Paul Blart Universal? Doesn't no matter. No idea. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They'll do this it. This is a Universal <laughs> this ride This is a Universal sure. ride. This absolutely makes sense as a Universal picture. Yes. Or Universal project. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Gavin, I think, so good. I think we've done it. I think we've cracked the code. Thank you so much, Gavin. And Gavin's girlfriend. You guys are just... <laughs> So delightful. <laughs> oh, Alice, are you ready? Are you ready for an outro? We've got to do an outro. This okay. is the longest episode we've ever recorded. Well, Alice, our time talking about our ideas for crazy theme park rides has come to an end. It was an absolute delight doing this with you, and I'm so glad this is how we chose to celebrate our 10th episode anniversary. If you enjoyed this episode, please do let us know, and we can plan a similar episode anniversary, maybe at 20 episodes. I would love that very much. That'd be so, great. Uh, we are always accepting submissions, not just for this kind of themed episode, but for uh, any sort of ideas or comments that you have on our podcast or about theme parks in general, you can always send us an email. Um, you can send, you can email me at um, alicewhitepodcast at gmail.com. And I'm at uh, buddy.duquesne at gmail.com. We are, we would love, absolutely love to hear from you. We love voicemails and we would play any voicemail that we receive on our podcast. So hit us up. Well, as long as we deem it. Uh, appropriate. Right, of course. <laughs> um, as for the three wonderful podcasters who sent us uh, material for this episode, thank you three so much. Um, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Gavin, aka the podcat, aka the pod report on Twitter at the pod report. Um, he's got three, he's got a lot of projects going on, but three that I think I really want to plug for him today. The first one is called Mac to Blood Gulch. It's a podcast where they watch every episode of Red vs. Blue, that old machinima about <laughs> Halo 2, and commentate on it. It's a nostalgia trip. It sounds hilarious. New episodes are dropping right now for that. The second thing I want to plug for him is called The Red Light Library. It is a smut review podcast. Alice, you you were expressing that this was a thing that you're interested in. I can't believe I didn't know you were doing this. Gavin, I'm so excited. I love a good smut story. So. He, he's reading... Uh, 
the craziest uh, smut that he can find on the internet. But it is a very, he says, sex-positive podcast. Awesome. Um, and the third thing I want to recommend is Tuned In, Dialed Up, which is a podcast podcast. A podcast about podcasts? That's right, it's a podcasting podcast. Uh, where he reviews uh, and spe- talks about other podcasts. Uh, so thank you very much, Gavin, for all of your good work for the podcasting community. Keep it up. Thank you for your input this week. Thank you, Gavin. Also, we would like to uh, recognize and praise our dear friend T.H. Ponders. Ponders uh, is the host of Accession, a really fabulous art history podcast that has some of the most beautiful production quality of any podcast I've ever listened to. Um it is a absolute joy to listen to your podcast, uh, Ponders. And in addition, Ponders and I have started a new project uh, called Rogue Fun, a podcast story, uh, where we talk monthly about Rogue One and why it's the best Star Wars movie. Um, and so, uh, listeners, I hope you tune in to Accession especially. But if you have the if, if you are so inclined. Tune into Rogue Fun as well. If you have the wherewithal. <laughs> Ponders is, uh, is a, a wonderful guy and a great podcast host and uh, deserves all the all the praise that I could possibly heap upon him. So thank you, Ponders, for submitting that really excellent voicemail. And uh, finally, uh, Charles Gustine, our first uh, submission of the day. He hosts the Iconography podcast. Now, season one of Iconography is all about uh, British icons, because at the time, uh, Charles was living in England. Uh, But now, uh, Charles Gustine is living on the east coast of the United States. From Uh, England to New New England. England. Uh, And he's talking about uh, American uh, and specifically New Englandish icons and symbols of America and that area. Um, So season two is on its way. It's dropping later this month. So I highly recommend that you guys all go over there to Iconography. Listen to some of season one, uh, which, again, amazing production values on Iconography, I must say. We've got just the best podcast friends that we could ever ask for who produce some absolutely gorgeous podcasts and we really love and appreciate you guys so much so thank you all for uh submitting and we hope to hear more from you guys as we continue this uh journey to all of the happy places that we can find um, speaking of which, we have a couple of great episodes coming out very, very soon. Our next episode is about the mystery spot. Yes, we recently took a impossibly long road trip through California where we stopped in Santa Cruz and went to the mystery spot. It's funny that you say impossibly long because it was it was longer than it ever should have been. There's no reason. It should not have been that long. That going from San Francisco to Los Angeles with a tiny detour into Santa Cruz should not have taken 12 hours, but somehow it did. You know, at my count, it took 14, so... Uh, 14 from waking up to arriving. I blame that on the mystery spot and its mysterious powers. Yes, so if you are interested, be sure to tune in soon for that, uh, for for why the mystery spot has uh, has altered our timelines and realities. <laughs> um, so do stay tuned for that and other episodes that are coming up, because Alice, now you and I are in the same part of the state and we will be able to uh do these kind of road trip field recording podcasts yes so very excited for those coming up soon yes and uh hopefully the mystery spot episode and and uh following episodes will have a little more detail on that 
Um, we will have that to you as soon as possible. You can find more information from us on our Twitter. Uh, I am at Alice White, THP, for those happy places. And I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. We are always looking for submissions. Be sure to email us and let us know on Twitter if you'd like to be a part of the show. Our theme music is Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers, featuring Phil Alvin. Find the Feet Warmers on their website at www.californiafeetwarmers.com. Additional music for this episode came from Poddington Bear, available on the Free Music Archive. Check the Free Music Archive out. It has lots and lots of great music for your podcasting needs. Thank you for listening. We hope you return to those happy places.